Hey friends, can't wait till Wednesdays to get your Modern Mamas fixed. Join us on Patreon. You can choose your tier and when you subscribe, you'll get bonus content, early access to retreat, first peeks at new swag, plus shout outs and even real time monthly virtual hangs with us. Visit patreon.com forward slash modern mamas podcast to check it out and support the podcast. It truly means the world to us. We are so grateful for you and for this community. I love mama. Hi, friends. Welcome to the Modern Mamas podcast. We are two modern mamas here to inspire empowerment, self-love, deep physical and spiritual nourishment, holistic health, open minds, and joy, no matter your journey or perspective. I'm Laura of Radical Roots. I'm a certified CrossFit trainer, certified nutrition consultant, and mama to Evie Wilder and Indy Bow. I love outdoor adventure, good food, especially sourdough, and mindful movement. And I'm Jess of Hold the Space Wellness. I am a level one CrossFit trainer, a licensed and certified athletic trainer with a master's in kinesiology and mama to Baron Camille. I love food, trying new things, creating art and being a perpetual learner. Please note that while we're here to provide advice and insights, we aren't medical practitioners and always recommend that you check with a trusted provider before implementing any changes. Thanks for joining us. We're so happy you're here. Well, hello there, my friends. Jess here, just popping in to do a wellness check on you. How are you feeling? We're right smack in the middle of illness season. And I want, no, I need to tell you about something I take regularly that I think has had a huge impact on my overall health and recovery from illness this season. Paleo Valley Essential C Complex Capsules. I think we've all heard the importance of vitamin C for our bodies, but did you know that virtually every vitamin C supplement on the market is actually ascorbic acid? which is made in a lab and usually harshly processed with GMO corn and harsh chemicals like acetone. Think nail polish remover? Ugh. Paleo Valley Essential C Complex, however, is chock full of 450 milligrams of vitamin C per serving, made with all organic superfoods, no synthetic yuckiness, and no isolated ascorbic acid. That's what I'm talking about. I typically take mine in two doses, morning and afternoon as a preventative measure. And if I'm feeling tickle in my throat, planning travel, or want an extra boost, I will double up my dose. If you want to check out Paleo Paleo Valley's Essential C Complex and incorporate a daily supplement that can improve your antioxidant response, gut health, mental health, sleep, skin, and even your cortisol response, head on over to www.paleovalley.com forward slash modern mamas and receive 15% off your order. Stay vibrant, friends. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Modern Mamas podcast. It's Jess here, and we have a guest episode today. It's I feel like it's been a while for me, but I have Savan Hong on with me today. Welcome. Welcome, friend. I know it's been like a lot of back and forth to get you to get <laughs> us recording, which it feels like that's just life, but I'm so happy you're here. Yes. Thank you. I think that we had some challenges with sick kids, and we all know what that's like. Oh, so, my yeah. gosh. You are with the right group of listeners because I mean I think we have all been there at least once or twice or 2,500 times but yeah so we have Savan on today and we are going to talk about well let me introduce you first and that will give you give the, the listeners a little background and then I'll introduce our topic and then we'll just jump in is that does that sound good perfect it sounds perfect okay yes. So I'm going to read your very professional and wonderful bio bio here. So Savan Hong is both the author and illustrator of the top-selling children's series, The Super Fun Daybooks. Her acclaimed titles, including Benny J. and the Horrible Halloween, George J. and the Miserable Monday, Emily D. and the Fearful First Day, Avery G. and the Scary End of School, 
and Joey T and the Winter Holiday Worries to pick the victories of neurodiverse children as they tackle difficulties with perseverance and bravery. Furthermore, the Super Fun Day books are available in Spanish and as audiobooks, ensuring they resonate with all kinds of learners. Her influential work has garnered attention from NBC and News 12. In addition to her literary pursuits, Savan actively serves as a trustee on the board of the Rita Allen Foundation, using her vast expertise and passion to effect positive change. Away from her professional endeavors, Savan cherishes her roles as a wife and mother to two delightful children, the family which include their beloved dog and cat lives in Connecticut. I love that. I, I mean, I love all the professional stuff. I mean, I think it's incredible, but I also love hearing the little tidbits about your family, your dog, and your cat. Just well, it just that whole white ticket fence. It kind of makes it seem very Instagrammable, <laughs> even though as we all know, like life is real. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I mean, if I would say I have two wonderful white dogs and a cat, and it wouldn't say that they both shed all over the house and are just basically farm animals that live in our home. But it's it's yes. great. I love I'm getting, I love getting that little insight about who you are as a person too. But that kind of leads us into what we're going to be talking about today. So we're going to, I feel like we're going to cover a wide array of topics, but we're, we're really going to center this conversation around is your personal experience with neurodiver- neurodiversity, how it shaped your, your life and your approach to parenting. And I know we have a lot of listeners who I feel will really resonate with what you're going to be sharing today, or maybe they don't have personal experience with it yet, or someone in their life has a child with neurodiversity and they're they're wanting to learn more ways to, you know, just be there and be supportive. And so I just really, really am excited about this topic. And I thank you so much for joining us to share your expertise, friends. Oh, well, thank you for having me. It's a topic near and dear to my heart and I seem to love talking about it. So, well, let's do it. So before we kind of jump into the nitty gritty and the like kind of the the meat of it, Will you kind of tell us about yourself a little bit, how you found your passion, this topic in particular, how you got to where you are and kind of what you're what you're doing here now? Yeah. So I never thought that I would be an author or an illustrator. It's not my background at all. In fact, in school as a kid, I struggled with reading and I struggled with writing. And I remember in second grade actually getting an F in spelling back when they actually gave kids grades like that in elementary school. And so this was the farthest thing from my mind. And I went to school and I ended up being involved in business. I, I was a professor at Stern Business School for a while and and would never have imagined that I would write children's books. But When my son was about 18 months old, we noticed that there were some differences in the way he interacted. And I took him to six, at least six doctors to try to get some sort of insight into what was going on with him. He was my first kid. So with your first kid, you don't really know what quote unquote normal looks like. I just kind of had a hunch that something was, was off. And I finally was able to get him a diagnosis when he was two of autism, which used to be the the kind of autism he had used used to be called Asperger's, but now it's kind of under this giant bucket of autism. Um, And at that point, I just stopped everything I was doing and said, I'm going to do everything I can to help him find his path in the world. And, and, And through that, I started writing stories for him there's something called a social story and so special education that kind of helps kids work through an issue that's challenging. 
and I would write them for him and they seemed to work really well. And fast forward, you know, 10 years or so. And I said, I have all this great stuff that I did for my son. Wouldn't it be great if I could share it with other parents? Maybe somebody else could use it, right? Mm -hmm. And I had no idea what I was doing. I knew nothing about publishing. I knew nothing, like literally nothing. And I put together a book about Halloween that was a true story that happened to my son. And I released it in February, which tells you everything you need to know about how little I understood (laughs) about publishing that I released a Halloween book in February. Um, But it resonated and it ended up being a number one release on Amazon Mm -hmm. and it became a bestseller for children's books with kids with disabilities. And at that point, I realized that there was something there that I could do that was bigger than my family and helping my kids, but that there was a gap in the market and there was a need to get other families and other kids access to these stories. And so that's what I set out to do. Oh my gosh. Wow. And now how many total books have you written since that original Halloween story? So I have five books that have been released. And as you said earlier, they're in Spanish and I do them as audiobooks because there are lots of different kinds of learners out there. Mm -hmm. All of the font is dyslexic friendly. Mm -hmm. And And my illustrations are very purposefully simple because for anybody out there with a child that has ADHD or with attention challenges, when you open up one of those picture books and you're like, wow, these illustrations are incredible, they will point to the random red bird in the tree in the background and want to know all about that (laughs) red bird and forget about the story you're actually reading. Mm -hmm. Um, And these books are designed to keep the kids engaged with the lesson that they're trying to teach. Wow. That sounds so incredibly thoughtful, the way that you put all that together. Did you do a lot of research leading up to that? Like, did it evolve into, you know, everything from the fonts to the this more simple illustrations? Or did you do, a, like, was that all pre-work that you put into it before you launched your first one? So it was all pre-work because that's the way I wrote them for mm-hmm. for my kids. Mm-hmm. The only thing I added were were the illustrations. And I knew, you know, I have ADHD. Both my kids also have ADHD. So I knew that I needed simple illustrations. Mm-hmm. But the rest of it was just was there because I had created this book originally for a neurodivergent kid. Right. So uh-huh. so I didn't have to do a lot of research to say, what does this need to look like? Because I already, I had a test case and it mm-hmm. worked. Mm-hmm. Obviously, with an N of one, right? Like mm-hmm. it worked. Yeah. But it turned out that it actually works for lots of different kids. Wow. I love that so much. And what kind of, what age group would you say that the, the books really resonate with the most? I, I would say between four and eight and nine-ish. Mm-hmm. It, it, they're picture books, but they really do open up for conversation. Mm-hmm. The idea is to get your child as as you go through and read it to talk about the things that they're worried about, to th- the things that they're sc- scared about, to give them tools to put their concerns into words and and then have that opening with with the parent or the teacher to talk about all of those things. I love that. I love that so much. Oh, hey, Lori here, pausing this episode real quick to share something very important. 
If you've been here long, you know we love Foria Wellness. Foria is a company that is loved far and wide by folks who've had their sex lives transformed by holistic, powerful intimacy products. And trust me, I get why. After using these products for over a year now, I can share with confidence. They work wonders. From the magic of Awaken, an oil created to enhance sexual pleasure and give you access to bigger and better orgasms, that's solo or with a partner, to the power of the brand new massage oil with organic botanicals designed to help you get in the mood by supporting foreplay and lingering touch. And I am here for that. I think we could all use a little slow down and spice up in our lives right now. Am I right? Foria's Intimacy Massage Oil takes intimacy to the next level with quick, absorbing, desire-enhancing, all-natural moisture. Awesome? Yes. Valentine's Day is just around the corner, and while I like to think we don't need one day a year to up the intimacy ante, it is a great reminder of the importance of connection, touch, and quality time with our partners and ourselves. So what better time to save on life-changing, all-natural, organic formulas for your most intimate needs Foria products are made with love to help you have really good sex and more of it. The kind that makes you feel nourished, juicy, and fully alive. I truly can't recommend Foria enough. 2024 is the year to treat yourself to deeper, fuller pleasure and connection, both on your own and with your partner. And these products are your ticket to all of that. And Foria is offering a special deal for our listeners. Get 20% off your first order by visiting foriawellness.com forward slash modern mamas or Simply use code Modern Mamas at checkout. That's F O R I A wellness.com forward slash Modern Mamas for 20% off your first order. Friends, enjoy. Okay. Well, so I, I, I love the books and I love that as a resource, like a starting point for our listeners to just immediately go from this episode to have something tangible. I'm sure, I'm assuming they're on, online on Amazon and all that stuff yeah. and they can just grab them um, and start okay. using that as a resource right away. But I kind of want to also use this opportunity to to really uh, like educate myself and and our listeners on this concept of neurodiversity and what does that mean and what does it look like and it and I know it's kind of this like catch-all term but can you give us a little bit of background on that term neurodiversity and what it encompasses and how we can start to understand that that broad kind of description of kiddos that we might encounter and adults, obviously, too. What, what does that encompass? So the term neurodiversity was, was termed or created by a woman named Judy Singer back in like the 90s. And this was an idea that said kind of there's a normal set of behaviors that brains do, kind of the, the the standard, the typical. And then there's a whole bunch of different other ways that brains can manifest. And, and the idea is there's diversity in humans in a lot of different ways, right? You have lots of different eye color and hair color and height, but the way your brain works is also something that can be different. And that's okay. And it's kind of cool. And and oftentimes people will think of it like, oh, someone who's autistic, they're neurodivergent. But it's also differences like being gifted is mm. also neurodivergent. And some chances are people you know are neurodivergent. Mm. It may not manifest itself in the way that you see it on the media, right? Because we mm-hmm. usually really smart white boy who's great at math and science, and that's how the media depicts it. Mm-hmm. But it 
this wide range from people who are bipolar to people with Tourette syndrome to ADHD to dyslexia to being gifted. There's, there's just this giant range because it's a term that says this brain works differently or thinks differently than the typical brain. Mm, okay. I love that. And I love this idea that it's, it's, I mean, you threw out some, some different ideas for me that I had never like considered would be within that kind of neurodivergent umbrella. So that's like, that's super helpful because I, I think it's a much broader descriptive term than probably a lot of us realize. And so kind of leading into my next question is why does neurodiversity matter? Why does understanding what that is and how it can be challenging or, you know, can be easier for some people in certain instances. Why, why is it important for us to really like educate ourselves as, you know, a neurotypical, you know, I'm doing air quotes, but you obviously can't yeah. see a neurotypical person. <laughs> so look, it, I think if we think about all those categories simply as differences and not as a deficit, it really helps in the way we can raise our children to feel really happy and content with who they are. The challenges, of course, is that a typical education system is not designed for people who think differently. Let's use the example of a gifted child, right? A mm-hmm. gifted child in a typical K through 12 education system is going to have some challenges if they have to go through the curriculum the way it is set out for every other kid, mm-hmm. right? They'll be bored, they may not be engaged, all sorts of things that happen with that child and the education system isn't designed for them. Well, the same is true with somebody who's autistic or ADHD or dyslexic, but just because the education system isn't designed to work with the way they learn doesn't mean that the way they learn is any less. Mm-hmm. And I that's an important thing for parents to remember. An example I love to use is a couple of years ago, Harvard University did a study on astrophysicists and they broke them up into two groups, one with dyslexia and one without. And they showed them images of black holes. And these were PhD astrophysicists, right? Like super, super smart people. Mm-hmm. And the ones with dyslexia we're like three or four times more likely to identify the black holes than the ones without. Wow. In this situation is a huge gift because people with dyslexia tend to have much higher abilities of spatial awareness than the typical population. But if you talk to a parent with a dyslexic child in second grade, they're going to feel as if their child is less than everyone else because they are not picking up reading at the same speed as the other kids in the class. Mm. Because the education system focuses on this is how you're supposed to learn. This is the marker of your success. Instead of stepping back and saying, well, my child may not pick up this as quickly, but look at all the other things my kid can do that are really, really exemplary. Like the case of these physicists with dyslexia. Mm. Wow. that's. Yeah, I love that perspective. And it's not something that I've ever really thought of in that way. Um, I don't, I don't that I know of have children that have any sort of those like learning challenges, dyslexia or ADHD. 
yet. I, nothing has like come up that we've seen, but that is, gosh, as a parent, I'm thinking what that must, like the empathy, what it must feel like to have your kiddo know that your kiddo is just obviously precious and special and all these, the wonderful things that we know about our children, but to be challenged in a situation, particularly school that doesn't support who they are. And like, I, you know, that's, you know, I think there's a whole other probably episode involved in like the educational system and how it is designed to teach to the kind of standard child and the challenges that come with that. But I mean, wow. I, I mean, thank you for kind of using that as an example because because I haven't particularly encountered that challenge. I haven't thought about it much, but well, you know what I mean? Yeah, and look, as a mother and as mothers and parents, it is our job to keep reminding our kid about the great things that they can do. Mm-hmm. And and I don't know when and if the school system will ever change to accommodate so many different types of learners. I think in public school, that's a really hard thing to do. Mm-hmm. And in my experience, most of those teachers and educators are doing everything they can given the limited resources mm-hmm. that they're presented with. But at home, you can keep telling your kid, look at all the cool things you can do. Mm-hmm. Right. And look at all the amazing gifts that your brain differences can bring so that your child can feel good about themselves, even if they don't fit that education model. Hi, friends. Lauren Jess here to chat with you about our favorite new oral care products by Wellness, a phenomenal company that we are so proud to be partnering with. Wellness, a B Corporation, was co-founded by Katie Wells of Wellness Mama after years of struggling to find safer and non-toxic products for her family. Wellness has quite a product lineup, but today we want to chat about their oral care products, all fluoride-free. Fluoride has been extensively researched and linked to potential negative side effects like hormone disruptors, acne, oral microbiome dysregulation, blood pressure issues, and more. And did you know that every toothpaste with fluoride sold in the U.S. is required to have a poison warning on the tube? Yikes. Whoa, not cool. You know it is cool, though. Wellness is not only fluoride-free, but they also use a substance called Microhydroxyapatite. It's a big word. In their, pro- <laughs> in their products, that is an all-natural substance that can replace fluoride and works to strengthen your teeth naturally and safely. Bear and Kami are loving the Strawberry Kids toothpaste, and Tim and I cannot believe how effective the whitening toothpaste has been in such a short amount of time. I need to see some before and afters. I'll take some. <laughs> if you want to check out their offerings, everything from toothpaste to deodorant to shampoo and more, we've got you covered. Wellness is offering our listeners a special 15% off discount that will be automatically applied when you shop through our unique link at www.wellness.com forward slash discount forward slash modern mama. We hope you love their products just as much as we do. Yeah. And so that kind of, I'm assuming that was one of the impetuses for your creation of this series of books is to have those conversations at home. You know, obviously this, they can also read these books at school and everything, but as the parent kind of leading that conversation, these books, I feel like would just be just a phenomenal resource to start that conversation. I'm, I'm assuming. Yeah. Okay. Yes. For me, it's all about this notion of. How do we frame being different 
with something that's an invisible difference, right? Because brain mm-hmm. differences are invisible. And yet have your child feel really good about who they are and what they can bring to the table, you know, and being able to talk about those differences in a way that feels okay and accepting. One of the things that I did is in, in the book about Halloween, the little boy wears headphones, which is a treat to my son in, in kindergarten. He had to wear headphones for sensory issues and he did not want to wear them at all. And even in kindergarten, he was like, these things aren't cool, essentially. Mm. But, and I tried everything to try to be like, no, no, that's what DJs wear. They're <laughs> really cool, right? But he didn't see anybody else wearing them. Mm-hmm. And, at, you know, as the five-year-old, you, you don't want to be different. Okay. And so having a teacher read the book with a kid wearing headphones or even having a child read that book at home and seeing somebody just like them, it makes that difference feel not so different, right? Because mm-hmm. if a character in a book can wear those, then I can wear them in school and I'm not that different because I know other people wear it too. And so it's this notion of normalizing these differences mm-hmm. that will make them okay. Well, and I'm also just thinking like for my kiddos, you know, who may not personally have these particular challenges to read a story about another kid who does. And, you know, maybe next year in, in their school class, they, they do have classmates who, who need to wear headphones or have, have to do something that may not be something they've ever encountered before. And it's like, oh yeah, we read a book about that. Like, I, I know this, like, this is, this yes. is like, this is, this is fine. This is, this is, right. you know, okay. It's no big deal. Yeah, it's no it's big no, deal. Well, it's normal, right? Like yes. everybody has a kid in their class who wears headphones and that's fine, right? It's normalizing these differences. And obviously as the kids get older, you know, in middle school, they all want to be clones of each other. And, <laughs> and, and, and difference becomes even harder yeah. then. But I think if we start young with them and really talk to them about how these differences are okay and cool and bring with them these great gifts, then it helps prepare them for the horror that is middle school. Oh, and are your kids in right. middle school already? Or they middle schooler. I have a middle schooler oh, and I would like to fast forward five years. <laughs> oh man, see I my oldest will be in sixth grade next year and we have gone to a very small school like pretty much his whole you know time in school and so I think we've gotten really lucky obviously there's still obviously always that like communal peer you know pressure but you know I we I see it already happening that switch from like I'm just myself and unique and all, all these things to like oh my friends are doing this or like this is my friends are important more so than what you think, mom. But <laughs> I'm fearful. Right. <laughs> and, and the whole, you know, anything we say, I feel like my, my eldest son will contradict everything I say. Just mm-hmm. like, I'll be like, oh, the sky is blue. No, it's not. Right. Yeah. Like it, it's, but if his friends say it, then of course it is. <laughs> and even it, my books do not touch on middle school because I can't even imagine trying to come up with big suggestions for middle school. But I'm hoping that if if we talk to kids about mm-hmm. their differences and get them comfortable early on, then it makes middle school a little easier. And yeah. 
And my son will talk about his neurodivergence with his peers because it's not something that he's embarrassed about, right? Like he feels confident enough in who he is and what that brings, at least right now, that he will share it. And to me, I feel like that's a great sign Mm -hmm. that way I've been framing it with him is right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, so, and you're like kind of living out this like process of what that looks like having started the, like with the book. When, when did you start writing the books? I, I published the first one in 2019. Okay. Which honestly feels like yesterday, but Uh. probably isn't yesterday anymore because (laughs) COVID in the middle of all of that. Uh And so like time blurred. Yeah. But they are all based on true stories that happened to my kids. So the book about Halloween, when, like I said, when my son was in kindergarten and he needed to wear headphones, we, we came to school on the day of the Halloween parade and he had his costume and I was so excited for him because Halloween is this amazing holiday and one of the best days of school and he wouldn't get out of the car. And I couldn't understand why he wouldn't get out of the car. And I felt like, such a failure as a parent like what do I do where my kid won't go into school on Halloween and he's going to miss this incredible fun day and still stayed in the car until all the Halloween activities were done and then he went into school and I spent the next year trying to figure out what was driving that fear what made it so that he felt like this was too overwhelming and too difficult to do And I realized that, you know, through conversations with him and other things, that there were all these things that were really scary to him that I didn't recognize. So for him, he, you know, he talked about, well, everyone's going to be in a costume. And what if I don't recognize my friends Uh or they're going to be extra loud? I can't wear my headphones with my costume or, you know we're going to do this parade in school and everyone's going to look at me and I'm in a costume and what if somebody laughs at me? So there were all of these mm-hmm. fear. And as a parent and as a group of teachers that helped me with this, we came up with a plan that said, okay, here's how you're going to get through the day. And then the following year, we did the plan and he had the best day ever. Aww. And now look, but, but it's like, as a parent, going through and making sure that these books really reflect the experiences that my kids have is my way of knowing that the books are actually authentic and and feeling the way kids do feel at that age. The other thing I did was all the teachers in my books have the same name as the actual teacher that was working with my kid, and it's my little way of saying thank you to them. Oh. Because as we talked about earlier, the education system doesn't fit these kids, but it doesn't mean that we don't have incredible teachers okay. out there. Hey, uh, Laura here to share a company that I've used and loved since preconception with Indiebo. And even now, at two years postpartum, the supplements continue to support my immune system, sleep, vitality, and overall health. And Rusty's too. We are so proud to partner with Needed, a company dedicated to providing radically better nutrition, while advocating for better maternal and infant health outcomes through their dedicated research and clinical study. Pregnancy and postpartum are some of the most nutritionally demanding times in a woman's life. I know firsthand how important nutrient status was for my health during pregnancy, through postpartum, and now as I continue to care for myself and my girls. Did you know that 95% of women in the perinatal stages have nutrient deficiencies? 
Most prenatal vitamins include bare minimum nutrition based on outdated guidance and stale research. We deserve to thrive, not just survive. Needed's products are formulated by experts in women's health, backed by clinical insights from their collective of over 4,000 practitioners and tried and tested by mamas everywhere. And we're thrilled to be able to offer you 20% off your first month by visiting thisisneeded.com and using the code MODERNMAMAS at checkout. Needed offers radically better nutrition for women from conception to pregnancy to new motherhood and beyond. I am deeply grateful to have thrived through pregnancy and postpartum with Indy, and I can honestly say that Needed played such an imperative part in my postpartum healing, nutrient repletion, milk supply, sleep, focus, and mood. I love Needed's prenatal multi through preconception, pregnancy, and the first year postpartum. The easy-to-take vanilla powder was perfect for those tough, nauseous early months. And I'm currently loving the women's multivitamin and the stress and sleep support plan to support a healthy stress response and optimal sleep and relaxation. Remember, Needed is giving our Modern Mamas community 20% off your first month. Visit thisisneeded.com and use code MODERNMAMAS at checkout. Let's make this the year of you. Absolutely. Oh my gosh, yes. I love that. I thank you again for kind of talking us through some of that that process and how the books came to light and how they helped. And I just, I love, I love hearing more about that. Can you tell us some more about some of the highlights of the book writing process for you? You, I know you've mentioned, we've talked about it pretty in depth at this point, but do you have any highlights that in particular, particular that stand out to you? Look, for me, the writing process, it, it, you know, is fun and I get to involve my kids. So they're very heavily involved in, in naming the characters and I read the books to them before I publish them to make sure that they are authentic. But, but for me, the best part is I get emails and messages from parents who say, my kid read this book and they kept pointing to the character saying, that's just like me. Oh. And that feeling that the parents have that their child doesn't feel alone in the world anymore, for mm-hmm. me, makes everything I do worthwhile. You know, for any of the parents out there listening, writing children's books does not make a lot of money, right? Like, unless you're John Pursuits, you're <laughs> not happening. But, yeah. but so this, for me, is a passion project because I really want other families to benefit from what my family benefited from. And when I get those emails from people and photos of their kids reading their book for, you know, every single night for bedtime, I know that I'm making a little bit of a difference in their lives. And that is what it's all about. I can imagine how rewarding that feels. I just, oh, that seems just like an incredible feeling. On the flip side, I know there's obviously... I mean, you wouldn't do it unless it was incredibly rewarding in that sense. But like, have there been challenges in particular through this whole process? I mean, you can talk about book book challenges or just challenges as they pertain to, you know, personally, like parenting. I mean, what do any particular challenges stand out to you in your mind? Look, for me, social media has been hard. For publishing the books, I wasn't on social media. I found it to, you know, when I had been on it, I found it to be hard. And I I would use it and walk away feeling worse than mm-hmm. better. Uh-huh. But I learned pretty quickly that I needed to be on social media in order to be able to get the word about my books out there. Uh-huh. And so I've, I've posted things on social media that 
talk about neurodiversity in a very positive way because there's so much negativity out there. But sometimes I get messages that are hard and I don't know how to deal with them. Uh Had somebody put in a comment that they were going to try to kill themselves. And I had no idea, but apparently, and I found this out very fast, that Instagram has a thing where you can report them. Uh And so they know where this person is in theory and they Uh can get help. That you don't, you don't know where they are in the world. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, so managing the social media piece of it for me is really, really hard. It's outside of my comfort zone, uh-huh. but it's something I have to do. As you know, as somebody who runs a podcast, like this is the way you spread the word yeah. today. So it's something I'm, I'm working on. <laughs> oh my gosh! Well, you're not alone. I don't know if that helps, but you know, I've been in this space and um, social media space in various capacities for. Well, since our, our do- my daughter was born, she's almost eight, and we've had the podcast for a long time. And there have been moments where it's just like, and we've talked about it regularly at length recently, where it's just, it seems to be getting harder and harder to navigate social media, and people are less and less kind, less and less respectful in their, even in their differences. You know, it's like, yeah, fully, I fully support people having their own opinions. I mean, that's, I think that's, it's wonderful diversity of thought, you know, but like the way people speak to one another, especially behind a screen, I think can be challenging for, for so many. So you're not alone. It's just, it is tough. It is tough out there, (laughs) but you know, but like you said, and I think it's the kind of passion to get the word out there. And most of the time, I don't know if you feel this way. Usually the positive feedback far outweighs any of the challenges, usually. Depends yes, on what day I, you're asking someone. <laughs> yeah. I agree with and, and it's nice to feel this sense of community with people that you normally would never have interaction with, right? Mm-hmm. Otherwise, we live in this little bubble of our community. And, and this gives us access to lots of different thoughts from around the world. Mm-hmm. So there are huge positives to it, but but I agree with you that the positives outweigh the negatives. But for me, I'm an introvert. Like the the whole part of it feels hard. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I mean I I you it's it's I feel you on that. I am the older I get, the more I realize the more introverted I am. Or I don't know if that just happens when you get older, but it is hard and it's hard to actually like put yourself out there. You know, in situations where you know, people can have opinions about you and and people that know only a snippet of who you are, right? And what you choose to share on the internet and then formulate opinions about that based on like their limited, you know, information that they have of who you are. But yeah, I feel you. I, I'm sending you all the love because it's hard. I hope you do. I hope you don't. I mean, I want to say I hope you don't give it up. But at the don't give it up. But, but, but. Boundaries are needed, right? Like we have to learn how to navigate it in a healthy way for ourselves or else it just won't last, right? Yeah, well, you know, when I started publishing in my mind, I was like, oh, you just publish your book and then you go away. Like, you know, J.D. Salinger was just like recluse and he never talked to anybody and it was fine. (laughs) That wouldn't work today, right? Like, yeah. You have to, you have to put yourself out there. Otherwise, people don't know about your books. Mm -hmm. And there's so much noise too. And it's like, you got to kind of like 
be allowed so that people find you. And sometimes that's uncomfortable. Yes. <laughs> I get it. I get it. Okay. Okay. Well, so kind of wrapping up a little bit, but like what advice do you have, might you have if you, if you have any to parents who potentially have like a newly diagnosed child in that neurodivergent umbrella? Do you have any like advice that you would want to pass on? I do. So look, when, when your child gets diagnosed and, and I don't think it really matters what age, I think you go through a process of mourning, right? And you're mourning for the child you thought you had and not necessarily really mourning the fact that your child got a diagnosis. But we all go through this over time. You know, like you remember when, when you're holding your infant, you think about the world of possibilities that this child is at. And when you have a diagnosis, that changes it. And it changes it very fast where normally you have years to adjust to the fact that your child is their own person and they're going to go on their own path. This is a very sharp kind of like, you just kind of fell off a cliff and now you're in this new place. And going through that mourning process, I think is very important and okay. Mm -hmm. And you feel guilty about going through it. But then once you're on the other side of it, you should be focusing on all the incredible gifts that that diagnosis can bring with your child because it does bring incredible gifts. And with those challenges can come a relationship with your child that is going to be different than the one you thought you were going to have, but doesn't mean it's less. It could be easier and even stronger. And focusing on that positiveness, right? And and I don't mean to sound kind of like Pollyanna, like Mm -hmm. nothing's hard, nothing's wrong. But if you focus on the positive side of it, then your child will focus on the Mm -hmm. positive side and that people will interact with them in a very different way than if you just focus on the negative. And that is what's going to change the trajectory of your child's life. Mm. That is such good advice. I love that so much. Well, And then on the flip side, do you have any potential advice for parents of like neurotypical kids to give to their kids? I know this is like a a chain, but advice for parents (laughs) to give to their kids for, you know, how to be a good friend, be a good classmate, be a good peer to their, their neurodivergent friends. So as we talked about earlier, the the differences with a neurodivergent child are invisible for Mm -hmm. the most part, right? And so when you talk to your child about all the different kinds of differences there are in people, talking to them about brain differences is an important piece of that conversation that people tend to forget about because Mm -hmm. we don't see And helping your child understand that, you know, why does this kid in the class get a squishy seat and I don't? Or why, you know, does this kid get all these movement breaks and I don't? Being able to talk to them about how brains work differently and different people need different things in order to learn really helps with the empathy piece of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And again, finding people that just because they don't see the difference doesn't mean that the difference isn't there. Absolutely. And that's such a good reminder, too, as we kind of wrap up that, you know, I... And we're blessed. I mean, we're lucky enough to have 
just incredible neurodivergent kiddos in our lives. And so we've had a lot of conversations about that with our kids, but probably not enough as, you know, we have had or as much as we've had when we talk about kiddos who have like a more of a physically outward like difference. Because again, like you said, it's it's something that they you can't really see with your eyes, but you experience as you get to know that person. But it's a really good reminder just to continue to have those conversations about what that looks like. And I'm just so grateful. I I needed this this kind of reminder. And I'm sure our listeners, um, especially ones who maybe haven't been exposed to this idea or have people in their life that are neurodivergent, I think it's going to be such a great episode for them to kind of take in and then go out in the world and and put into practice. What's next for you? Is there anything up ahead? Developing any, anything? Are you just going to continuing to kind of play this the the role that you have as the author and supporting supporting your community? Or do you have anything big on the horizon? I'm just mulling over mulling over an idea for a new book that's very different than the other books that I have done. It 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 highlights. It will highlight all of these different people in the world who are neurodivergent, so who've done great things. Mm. So that parents can share it with their kids to be like, see, you know, like you may have ADHD, but, you know, Justin Timberlake has ADHD. Mm-hmm. Look at, and he views that as a gift that helped him do what he does. Or, you know, Eminem is said to be autistic and, and, and look at what that did for him, right? To, to give them examples of people who are successful so that they can feel good about themselves to Mm. be like, oh, they're great people who are just like me. I'm Mm. not alone. Mm. So that's that's the next book on the horizon. Oh, I can't wait. That sounds so interesting. And uh, is that, those are true examples. Like Justin Timberlake and Eminem. Wow, that's amazing. See, it's like you don't even, you just, I mean, you don't even know what people have like gone through or like live as their experience until you kind of dive into stuff like that. That's incredible. Well, I am, I'm excited for that. Is there any part, parting words that you want to leave us with before we sign off today for anyone listening? Just remember, you know, the percentage of kids who are neurodivergent is very high. And mm-hmm. chances are your child is in a classroom with kids who are neurodivergent, even if you don't know it. And so just by talking about it, really makes such a big difference to making those kids feel accepted and reducing bullying. So there's a lot we can do as parents to help. I love that. Thank you so much. Well, how can we find you? How can we connect with you? Where's the best place to kind of learn from you on the interwebs? Sure. So it's very easy because I'm the only Savan Hong in the world. (laughs) Oh my gosh. That's impressive. The only one. So (laughs) You can go to savanhong.com. It's my website. It's full of tons of information about being neurodivergent. And then my Instagram feed is at savan underscore hong underscore author. If you want a lot of positive information about neurodiversity and just feel free to reach out because I do try to respond to everybody who reaches out to me. That's incredible. And we'll put all those links in the show notes too to make it easy for everyone to kind of click over on that after the episode. Well, thank you again. This was incredible. And I just wish you nothing but the best and just continue to kind of watch you along your journey as you educate us and and just parent your wonderful kiddos. Thanks. Thank you so much, Savan. Thank you for having me, Jess. I really had fun.
Absolutely. We'll talk soon. Bye. Bye. We don't know what to say. Thanks for listening to our podcast. See you next time. Thanks for listening to our podcast. See you next time. Bye.